purpose statement, why we exist, why we exist. Um, this is not just this local church. It's talking about God's church, why God's church exists. There are four purposes that we have listed for why God's church exists, and we want to take a careful look at all four of those uh, purpose or purposes for why the church exists. The first reason for why the church exists is to bring people to a relationship with Jesus Christ and membership in his church, his kingdom. So the first reason why the church exists is to bring people in relationship with the almighty God, the creator of all things, Jesus Christ, and for us to become a part of his body, his church. That's why the church exists. The Bible says that the Lord is coming back for a church. He didn't say he was coming back for individuals. He said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So if we're going to be raptured out of the earth when the trumpet is sound, we have to be a part of his body, the church. So we have to realize that in order for us to secure eternal life, we have to get in relationship with him and we have to become a part of his church, his body. And that will begin to set us up to go in the right direction and so we can be who he wants us to be. So that's the first reason why the church exists, for us to come in relationship with Jesus Christ and to become a part of his body, the church. In, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 38, one of my favorite portions of scripture, it talks about, in a nutshell, that the, 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 the two greatest commandment, or you can look at it as one great commandment, is for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself. And so those two commandments is the, 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 the two greatest commandments as, as, the, as the scripture will have it to say. And so those two have to do with relationship. All relationship. Have nothing else to do. And so it is very important that we understand that relationship is the basis of what we are, what we will do as a church, as a people. And if you're struggling with relationship, you have to pray and put your best foot forward to make sure you can handle any relationship. If you only can handle relationship where people are easy, you need to work on handling relationship where people are hard. You need to handle relationship where people are in between. But as Christians, we can't avoid hard to deal with people. Because it's the essence of who we are as a people. Loving the Lord with everything and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we can forget about the, well, what if this? And what we like to come up with the what ifs. And I didn't read in the scripture when the Lord was saying that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Him, him saying, if they're easy to get along with. 
if they're kind to you, if they love you first, if they do nice things for you. I don't read that. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So it doesn't matter how difficult. We need to leave that alone. Well, they just leave it alone. Do what God tells you to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. He wouldn't tell you to do it if you can't. Now, I know this this might be offensive, what I'm getting ready to say. But I'm going to say it anyhow. When we can't love hard to love people, it must mean we're not loving God the way we need to love him. So it still come back to us. So if somebody is just ridiculous and hard to love, you know what we have to say? I must not be loving God enough for me to love them. If, if I can't love them the way I need to love them, it means I got an issue with God. That's a tough pill to swallow, but that's truth. Because when you love God with everything, you know what happens? You understand that he loves everybody. Just like he loves you. So that's what's driving you. It's not how the person behave. What's driving you is knowing that the one that you love so deeply loves everybody the same. So first reason for the church to bring people to a relationship with Jesus Christ and that they may become a part of his body. The second thing why the church exists is to develop people to become Christ-like. This is what we call maturity, growing in Christ. Okay? So the second reason for the existence of the church, to develop people to become Christ-like, to become mature in Christ, to begin to grow in Christ. So often we come into the church and the way we were when we got born again, three years later we're still the same. Because somewhere along the line, maybe we weren't taught that you must become mature and you need to grow. Don't make any mistake to think information is growth. Because you are coming into the assembling of the body and you're hearing the word of God and it's making sense to you, that's not growth. You're just collecting information. Collecting information is not growth. Growth is what you do with the information that you receive. So showing up and, re- and hearing the word is not good enough. The Bible says we must be hearers and doers. So that's the second reason why the church exists. To develop people to be Christ-like and to be mature and grow. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, the scripture says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We need to circle that in our Bible, highlight that in our Bible, and realize that that's what it's about, that when we become born again, when we come to know who Christ is, and we form a relationship with him, and we become a part of his body, we begin to mature and grow. We got to go back to that scripture text all the time and look at it. And see, can we look into our life and see that those things are happening that this scripture just described. So the second thing for us to understand why the church exists is to develop a Christ-like way of being to be mature growing up in Christ. The third thing why the church exists is for us to be equipped for ministry. Can I tell you something? This might be a secret, but it's not a secret anymore. Ministry is a fancy word of saying a servant. My ministry. I hear you. You know what it means? How I serve God. And so a lot of times we hear that word ministry and we say, man, I'm special. I'm in ministry. That's just the high class word of the Bible saying you are a servant. So it's okay to say you have, you're, you're involved in ministry. It's okay. You ought to say I'm involved in ministry. So the third reason why the church exists is to equip you to serve. <laughs> you're all quiet on me. That's the third reason, to, for you to be equipped to serve. And so when you get equipped to serve, then you got to serve. So when you're not serving, I'm just going to start assuming you're not equipped. I need to do a better job. I'll take the responsibility. That's why I'm doing this tonight. And for the next few weeks, we'll be doing this. And whether I'm here or not, we'll be doing this. Because everybody will be ready to teach this lesson. Because it is too important. And we're going to take our time and walk slowly through it. So we need to equip each other. Serve each other. So we can be servants or servers of God. So that's the third reason why the church exists. So if you've been in the church for a while... And you're not serving, you got to ask yourself, what am I doing? Ministry is important. Consecration first required for ministry. So if we're going to serve, we must first seek God. Consecrate ourselves. Set ourselves aside for service unto the Lord. We are created for ministry. 
Ephesians 2 and 10. We are saved for ministry. 2 Timothy 1 and 9. We are called into ministry. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. We are gifted for ministry. 1 Peter 4 and 10. We are authorized for ministry. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We are commanded to minister. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. We are prepared for ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. We are needed for ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. We are accountable and rewarded according to our ministry. Colossians 3, 23 through 24. That's a whole lot of stuff going on there for ministry regarding us. The fourth reason why the church exists, which includes this local church, it's God's church and just located in different places throughout the world, to help people carry out their mission to evangelize, sharing Christ. So we all, at some point in time, will get involved with sharing Christ. You know, I used to hear old time preachers, they used to say, <laughs> time has changed, boy. This is what old time preachers would tell you, and some of them still say it today. If you're not winning anybody to the Lord, then you can't say you call to be a preacher. I'm just telling you what the old time people used to say. Because Unfortunately, what they, well, fortunately, what they were telling you is preaching is not about standing up and teaching people the scriptures. Because anybody can read and tell people what they just read. But preaching or being a pastor is about reaching lost people and also ministering to help those that are saved get saved, stay saved and continue to grow in Christ. So really, to be a pastor, it's a get your hands dirty job. It, it's not a look at me what I'm doing. It's not. And so the old timers was trying to tell us, even though they didn't always bring it to us the way we need to understand it, because then some people got offended and they thought that the preacher was trying to uh, tell them they don't, they shouldn't be a preacher. And that's not how it should or was probably being communicated. The bottom line is, if we're going to say to the preacher, our pastor, hey, I feel like God has called me to be a pastor. I feel like God has called me to be an evangelist. The, the, the pastor will ask you, okay, well, how can you tell? Well, I just feel something and, you know, he spoke to me that way. And then... If you, if it's me that you're talking to, I'm going to say, well, what I've learned about God, and some of you have heard me said this before, by the time God alerts you to your calling, you are already doing what he calling you to do at that time. You didn't know that, did you? So by the time you say, pastor, God is calling me to go pastor. That pastor should have been able to say real easy. You're right. Now, here's some little things I picked up 
that I've seen and I'm going to work with you on and let's set a time for when we think you'll be ready to go and start. Let's do it the right way so you will be successful. So the pastor's supposed to say. And so we'll work on the things that we know you're weak in and get you strong in those things. But we're going to work towards getting you because why? That pastor should already know that guy or that gal's reputation and what they have done in church since they've been in church. And if you've been in church and all you do is come to church and then you come to the pastor and say, Pastor, I know God called me to pastor. Unfortunately, that pastor can't sanction that. Now, you might decide to still go and pastor. That's on you. But that pastor can't sanction that because he looked at your life while you were in there and he's saying, you kind of miss prayer meetings a lot. I never see you talking to people a lot. I've never saw you minister and, 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 and disciple anyone. And so that's what pastoring is all about. So how am I going to say I agree with that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's important to understand that all of us, at some point in time, as we mature in Christ, our life mission will be to reach people, to, to lead people to Christ, to disciple people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are or how uneducated you are. God will not save anybody and leave them to a place where they cannot disciple anybody, where they cannot lead people to him. There is no way. It's not possible. If God saved you, he can use you to save somebody else. You're never disqualified to do that. At some point in time, you have to know the mission is to reach the world with the gospel, and that's part of your job. So all evangelists, apostles, teachers, whoever, whatever title you want to give yourself, the bottom line is, are you reaching people? Because that's all we're all doing. We're reaching people at different levels. I'll give you an example. You can work in our fundraising ministry and still reach people. Because now when somebody new comes, Here's what I'm doing. Take out my $5 and put it on the counter and get me a beef patty and the juice. Hi, my name is Wayne. And you say, Bob, and I say, Bob, I just want to give this to you. We're so glad that you came to Christ Center Church. This is for you, and this is for you. We're so glad you came. We'll love to have you come back. And man, did you have a good time today? Was it, did, did, did you feel good? Did you get to meet some people? Is everything okay? Is it okay? Well, God bless you. I, I'll see you again. God bless you. You quiet? Quiet? I'm just telling you, every every position in the, no matter what title you have, no matter what you doing or not doing, everybody is called to reach people. And whatever ministry you're doing in church, your mindset got to be, how can God work in me and in this ministry to reach somebody? If I'm ushering, I got to figure out a way to reach somebody. If I'm greeting, I got to figure out a way to meet somebody. If I'm working audiovisual, I got to figure out a way to meet somebody. Whatever I do, it needs to reach somebody. Because that's God's plan, essentially. God, God wants to see people saved. And so 
The Bible says he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the fourth reason why the church exists. It says through the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, then 18 through 21, for the love of Christ compels us in the, in, in, in the, in the King James Version. It says constraineth us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Can I tell you this? My my big thing that I've been wrestling with within my spirit is how we're self-centered as a people. There are people that are self-centered that you don't even know you're self-centered. Because we have to go back to our conversion and, and find out what happened. Because when you really get converted, it's hard to be self-centered. But I find that there's a lot of people that are born again that are self-centered. What do you mean by that, preacher, self-centered? We're doing like people that are not born again, which is every action of my life. Some way, somehow, I need to get something out of it. And so how I live for God, I got to get something out of it. Brother Dibble touched on it the other day that when we repent a lot of times, we don't repent because we know we did wrong before God and we offended God. That's not why we're repenting. We're repenting because we're saying if this sin stay in my life, I'm going to hell. That's what I mean by we don't even realize we're self-centered and we are. Because every act that we do somehow... If it don't profit us or make us feel good or we benefit some way, we don't do it. So here's a hard thing you need to ask yourself. What are you doing in your life that you don't get any benefit out of it? None. Only if the Lord decide to give you a benefit out of it. <laughs> That's a hard one. What is it? What are you doing in your life that the only way you get a benefit out of it is if Almighty himself says, all right, let me do this. What is that? Just leave you right there with that one. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So God is giving all of us, all of us that are saved, born again of the water and of the spirit. God has given us the ministry of rec this service, the attitude, the, the work of reconciling people unto him. So God says he has given all of us that. So whether you're talkative or you're not talkative, whether you're shy or you're not shy, whether you're uneducated or educated, it doesn't matter. God says, I've given you all the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, 
We are all we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, this has been my anthem lately, and probably has been my anthem for a long time. But here's my anthem. God can't ask me to do anything that I don't do. That I'm going to make excuse of not to do. Nothing. We have to examine that part of our life. What is it that we might not do that God wants us to do? First of all, what we normally do is we dress it up to say, well, that's not really God. That's the pastor. Uh, that's the first that's the first thing we do to not do it. We put it on the man or the woman and we never stop to think. If I trust God that he is the one that have me where I am. And I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible and I'm fasting, I'm doing all this stuff. And now. Here this pastor come asking a hard thing. Here's the question. Here's a question. So that never be the struggle. If the pastor come and ask a hard thing concerning the thing of God and you do it unto God, what do you think happens? So the pastor comes out and say something ridiculous. You need to fast for the next seven days, water only. Um, You need to read three chapters a day. You need to walk around your neighborhood and pray an hour a day. And first thing you say is, that preacher don't even work. He wake up whenever he want to. He go to bed whenever he want to. All his kids growing up, so he ain't taking those kids to school. All that stuff. All true. But tell me what would God say when you decide, oh, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Tell me, tell me how God get offended by that. Tell me how God will say, no, 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 honey, don't do that. We missing the boat. Because I told you we were self-centered. And so when we don't want to do something, we figure out a way to say, well, well, that ain't God. Yeah, that ain't God. But God, there's a scripture that says that if we do all things as unto the Lord, we'll be all right. And so whether the preacher is right or wrong, if I'm doing it unto the Lord, now if I do it to please the preacher, then I'm in trouble. So if the preacher come up with some bogus stuff or just whatever he feels, talking about myself now, I guess, and I do it to please him then I can't be blessed. I will not be blessed. But if he comes up with something ridiculous and I say, well, God, I believe that's you. And I start to follow God, start to doing it and, 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 and keep my eyes on Jesus while I'm doing it. Guess what? Oh, man, I am blessed beyond measure. 
because I'm doing it unto the Lord. I'm not doing it unto the man. I'm doing it unto the Lord. I told you I learned a long time ago the secrets to, to submission. It was so funny when I realized that. And I, then I realized why a lot of people didn't submit. And I'm like, they missed the boat. So a lot of people don't submit to the man of God because they probably can see the man's flaws. They probably um, don't see eye to eye with the man. They've seen mistakes the man has made. And so they decide, I ain't submitting to him because he don't always know what he's talking about. But over the years, what I'd learned was I did it without even realizing. It wasn't until later God showed me, this is what you were doing, Wayne. And that is my submission to the man of God was really to God. I'm trusting that no matter what the man had said and done, God was going to take care of me. So somebody might say, I ain't submitting to him. First of all, you cut off your blessings, so you might as well find somebody. You got to find somebody you're submitted to in order to be blessed. So maybe you don't like this pastor right here. You got to find one, though, that you're going to submit to. Because if you don't have a prophet in your life, you can't get a prophet's blessing. God works in order. And whether we like it or we don't like it, God works in order. And so God makes sure he's going to let it flow down to you. Work in order. If you're going to be submitted to the man, then God's going to make sure he blesses you because you're doing what he says. Obey them that have the rule over you. So no matter what, we have to find a man of God or a woman. I mean, preferably you want to go where God sent you. That's preferably Okay, but if you just feel like I cannot deal with that dude, he's just ah, it's rubs me the wrong way. You got to find you a dude that rub you the right way. <laughs> but you got to find somebody that you're submitted to so God can help you. I've seen people crash and burn because they don't submit to anyone. I've seen it, man. Submission has nothing to do with the person you're submitted to. Submission has to do with the God you serve. And when you say, I trust God, and I'm not worried about it. Because I, I, I hear somebody in the spirit realm. Don't forget this scripture. God says, I will never put more on you than you can bear. So if he don't intervene, then you got You can bear it. When he thinks you have had enough of that tyrant, that crazy man, or that crazy woman that supposedly was pastoring, when God said it's enough, then it's enough. He will move you or he'll move that person. But you can't act like you, you, you can do whatever you want. Because here's what I've learned about the Lord. He got to let you sit in the heat for a little bit sometimes. Because sometimes 
What he knows is in order for you to affect people the way I need you to affect them, in order for you to lead people the way I need you to lead them, you're going to have to have the experience in your life where you are in the fire and you didn't run out of it. You walk through it gently like you're supposed to and you handled it. So when somebody come by and says, you don't know what they did to me, you'll be able to smile and says, well, you don't worry, sis. Sometimes that's just the way God allows things to happen because he's trying to do something in you. Well, how are you going to say that? Trust me. I got some experience in that area. Because that's just the Lord. And so sometimes we feel like people are taking advantage of us. God will not put more on you than you can bear. Now, we put a lot of stuff on ourselves and think it's God that put it on us. But I'm telling you, God don't put more on you than you can bear. And when the time is come, God will do what he needs to do to now unburden you of whatever burdened you. He will. But he needs you to submit. And the submission has nothing to do with the person you're submitted to. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes, (laughs) you know, in my mind, sometimes I kind of look at God and says, Lord, you a trip. And here's what I mean by that, because I a lot of so many different things that I smirk with the Lord on. But here is the one way I'm looking at it. People know when they don't treat you good. Brother D, people know when they don't treat you good. And there's I think the Lord take great pleasure when I can treat you bad. And no matter what, you be who you're supposed to be as a Christian. Oh, man. I think God smiles when we do that. When God know that that person ain't treating you right for real, for real. But you stand and says, God, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to live for you and serve you and obey you in spite of it. And every time you see that, you love them, you treat them good while they still trying to treat you bad. I think God smile on that. I think I think if, if there's such a thing, this is not written in the Bible, don't quote me. I think there's such a thing as a little extra credit. I think you get extra credit when you do that. I really do. I think you get some extra credit there. Because that's, that, that's, that's part of when Jesus walked the earth, he went through all of that. And I think we're being so much like him when we're doing that. He called Judas friend at the moment, at the height of the betrayal, he called you this friend. That's what I'm striving to do. No matter how they treat me, man, God, give me the, forti- the fortitude and the righteousness and the, the holiness and the power of God to just love them and treat them good no matter how they think about me, no matter how they treat me, because I'm doing it unto you. That's how we do it. But when we can't do it, it means uh, we got to work on this thing with us and God. That's why we flip. That's why we lose it. That's why we that's why we do all the different things when we say you don't understand. Okay, I'm done talking when you tell me I don't understand. Because how do you know I don't understand? You know, we like to say to the people, you don't understand. How do you know I don't understand? Do you know everything I've gone through? But we say those key words when we're doing our best to say, I'm just not doing that. When we when we when we ready to turn on that self centered stuff, we we have the cliches that we say. Yeah, you don't understand. And 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 God ain't sending me to hell for that. 
we got some cliches, man. God ain't sending me to hell for that. Okay. God don't send nobody to hell. All right. So next time you next time you use that statement, just understand God don't send nobody to hell. We do it on our own. All right, so let's run through these things. Vision statement, what we intend to do. We intend to build a body of believers who through faith, commitment, consistent personal growth, saturate our city, all local areas, and foreign land with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're intending to do. And we can't overlook, again, get the gospel out. Again, disciple people. That's We can't overlook that. We have to get this gospel out. We have to reach people. We can't overlook that. No matter what we're doing, the questions still come back to, what are you doing to reach somebody? What are you doing to reach somebody? Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Mark 13 and 10, and the gospel must be first published among all nations. My favorite portion of scriptures, Mark 16, 15 and 16, and he says unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And we can go on and on about the importance of the gospel getting out. Very important. What we believe as a church, as a body of believers, what we believe. We are a Bible-based church in that we seek to base all our beliefs and lifestyle on explicit passages of the Bible or on biblical principles. If the word of God don't straighten you out, you have no hope. So when you find yourself doing wrong and the Bible points out that you're doing wrong and you ignore that, you're heading down the wrong path. Because the word of God is what we call the authority of God. We said the word is the authority of God and his spirit is the power of God. If those two things not operating in your life, you are not on the right track. We believe the Bible is the infallible word of God and the authority for salvation and Christian living. Second Timothy 3:15 through 17. That scripture we need to highlight and read that all the time. That is a powerful, those are powerful passages of scripture. As a matter of fact, that's kind of the scripture what I put with the theme that we will um, go through for the next few weeks, which is taking us, uh, uh, taking our, ourselves through a journey in the word of God. But, well, let's put it up there. Can we get, um, okay, there you go. All righty. Hey, V. Hey, okay. All right. All right. That's why I got to beat you every time you do stupid stuff, because you know what to do. And that from a child, thou has known the holy scriptures, child, which are able to make thee wise. 
So the scripture is able to make you wise. That's why it doesn't matter how educated you are or uneducated. When you begin to get into the word of God, God will impart wisdom to you. The scripture will make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God or woman of God or child of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the word of God right there. So what we're walking through, that's what will happen to us if we apply this word to our life. We believe there is only one God. So we know here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's only one God. It's not three separate co-equal God. He is the creator of heaven and earth and of all living beings. He has revealed himself to humanity as the Father, Creator, as the Son, Savior, and as the Holy Ghost, indwelling Spirit. We believe everyone has sinned and needs salvation, which comes by grace through faith based on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We've got scriptures to back it up. We believe the saving gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. We obey the gospel by repentance, death to sin, water baptism in the name of Jesus, burial, and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, resurrection. And all of those things have scriptures to back them up. We believe as Christians we are to love God and others. We should live a holy life inwardly and outwardly. Whatever is on the inside, literally and spiritually. Literally and spiritually. God is so awesome. He is so incredible that all of his instruction that he gives to us, he always show us a natural, physical example of what is supposed to be spiritual. So when we tell somebody holiness is inside out and they say I'm holy within, all we can say is I guess eventually your holiness will show on the outside. Because what you eat don't stay in you always. What you take in intellectually don't stay there. It will come out. So in a natural sense, whatever goes in. So why are we going to think that holiness just means I'm holy within and it just stays in, but it never come out? Because we are self-centered and we want what we want and we want to do what please us. Yes. The supernatural, we believe the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing, are for the church today. Not for back in the day and not today. There are some denominations 
that says healing was back in the day when Jesus walked the earth, but not today. Unfortunately, they need to know the Lord a little bit better. We believe our worship is to be directed to God with lifted hands, with thanksgiving, with righteousness and holy offerings, through the dance, with singing and music, and a voice of triumph. We believe that's how you worship the Lord. We believe in the Great Commission as outlined in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and compassion. I'm going to stop right there tonight. We will talk, we'll pick up next week on what's that, page six? Page six. We're done with page five. We will pick up on page six next week. And we'll talk about our values, what we practice. Our values and what we practice. That's page six. We'll pick up on that next week. Any questions? Simple enough? We'll be walking slowly through all of this. We'll get into a whole lot of stuff. You got your books. Parents, check with your children to make sure you're teaching them and they're understanding this book so they will be included and involved. Yes, Brother Kellerman. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. So while you're in the fire, he's taking away and burning away some stuff. The dross is coming off you, and you're gonna come out better. Unfortunately, we get in the fire and we want to run right out. And start to look at somebody and blame somebody. You know? And never stop to think, God is doing something in my, he's doing a work in my life. Uh, uh, uh. Good word there, Brother Kellerman. Good word there. I saw a skit one time in church with a guy that says, God, I want to be like you. Will you help me to be like you? And a mason carpenter mason a builder came out with a chisel and a hammer in his hand and he put the chisel the, the chisel in his hand and the hammer and he started chiseling on the guy and every time he hit the guy ah! Ah! And, the guy like, and, and the guy that was chiseling was the lord he says i thought you wanted me to make you like me and so in order to be like jesus is gonna it's gonna be some pain involved somehow we want to believe that when we start living for christ that's when life becomes easy. But here is a good way to look at living for Christ. We lived the way we wanted to for so long. What they say, when you have a big, huge vessel, a ship, it's hard to turn it around. And we have done our thing, our way for so long that when we come to Christ, he got to get us right. 
And that's why it's so much involved. And it only becomes painful because we have all this buildup that needs to come off of us. Right? All the draws, that, 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 that all the, 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 the impurities and all the stuff that didn't belong in us, we took it on. And we come to Christ and he says, all that stuff got to go now. And we're like, oh my goodness. And in order for him to remove it, there's some pain involved. So we can't, when we start dealing with pain and challenges, we can't run for the hills and think that it's somebody that's doing it to us and not stop and realize, no, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Any other comments or suggestions or questions before we get out of here? All right. We're going to try to, um, when we come, we're going to try to, on Thursdays, try to get here enough time to pray. I, I, I really appreciated those of you that came in and just started praying along with me. Come here and pray, and if we can get going about 725, um, just pray and get started at 730, because I want to be done by 830 sharp, because I know the children have school, and I know parents, you got to get them ready. I'm not going to be the preacher that um, that that ignore that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure I understand. People work. People have children. People got to take care of their house. But we need to get the word of God in our heart. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Whatever you're doing, Lord, we want it to be done. And Lord, will you keep us on the straight and narrow? That Lord, we will not go in our own way. But will you arrest us? Will you use, Lord God, whatever you will to keep us on track?